0: Welcome and thanks for checking out this podcast from First International Christian Fellowship. The following message you are about to hear was carefully crafted with human mind. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope that this message speaks to you as it did to us. Now here's Pastor Joe Salcido delivering this week's sermon. Please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you once again for the songs that prepared our hearts, Lord God, to meet you at your message, Lord Father, thank you for bringing all of us here tonight safe and sound, and thank you for this place that you've provided for us, Lord God, and this church body that you've made us a part of. Lord, I pray for wisdom, Lord, as you speak through me again, through your people. I pray for the Holy Spirit that's in all of them, Lord God, may he be the one to reveal everything to them. And Lord, I pray that you override my preparations, Lord God, and I just pray, Lord God, that I'll speak the truth and nothing but the truth for you and for your glory in Jesus name I pray amen okay so we're still doing our journey in our sec- the second book of Corinthians um, so the beauty in an expository preaching is you don't set the agenda God sets the agenda <laughs> that said uh, tonight is one of my least favorite topics <laughs> which is speaking about giving because giving when it comes to giving, it's such a sensitive topic, right? Do we agree? All right. Please <laughs> you're being honest, right? It is sensitive. All right, so I titled our message tonight, It's My Pleasure. We're going to be reading from verses eight, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 to 15. It's my pleasure. I like that response. Whenever I thank somebody and they say, it's my pleasure, it's somehow more, uh, it's pleasing to my ear for some reason. When I was at Chick-fil-A, the first time I heard it for a long time, I said, oh, thank you. And they said, it's my pleasure. It caught me aback. I'm like, whoa, I like that. If it's truly her pleasure, and even more, it's, it's, it's great. You know, when I, when I thank Brother Richard, says, it's, it's my pleasure, it's my honor, you know, it's it, it's, it gives a different feeling instead of just saying, you're welcome, right? It's my pleasure. It's the person's pleasure to do that specific thing for you. I know Chick-fil-A employees probably were trained to say that. They probably don't mean it. And after tonight, you're probably going to be using it. You probably won't mean it, right? <laughs> but it still sounds better. So I want to title this message in, in knowing it's about giving, It should be the believer's pleasure to give back to God monetarily. I know for some of you, you've dabbled along the lines where I can give whatever to the Lord and it shouldn't matter if it's money or my time. Well, that's true. God also requires our time. But God, don't don't kid yourself though, God does require your money and tonight that's what we're going to try to talk about and through our visitors I just want to tell you that we are not in a habit of talking about this we are financially stable as a church um, <laughs> the members are giving most of the members are giving so there's really no problem and if you are the member that is not giving again I want to tell you I don't know who you are because I don't look at the finances because I am not mature that way <laughs> <laughs> the financial team is the mature ones there so please this is not this is not me personally attacking anybody this is not me trying to get my hands in your pocket this is me telling you what God wants us to learn as believers and if we're always saying here we're gonna tell you wherever, whether you like it or not I guess tonight whether I like it or not we're gonna be talking about it. so let's begin it's my pleasure the if what why and how first john 3:16 reads we know that real love is because jesus gave up his life for us so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion how can god's love be in that person dear children Let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. We believers, the people that have surrendered our lives to Christ, the people that have said, Jesus, I accept you as my Lord. Basically, you, Jesus, take over my life. It is no longer my will, but it has to be your will. Those people... Those people, those are the believers, those are the believers, that's us, right? And because we know what real love is, because Jesus gave up his life for us, for our sins, for our debt, not his, we know what real love is, that's what real love is, giving up of oneself, All right, when you're in your courting times, when you're still trying to, Men, when you were trying to get your wives, you said all the right things, you did all the right things, right? Everything, anything that was irritating to you, you would lie and say, oh, that's okay. Right? Because I love you. Because you're trying to win the girl, right? Same with the women. The things that were irritating you about them, you were just saying, oh, that's fine. I can deal with it. That's okay. Whatever you want to eat, honey. Wherever you want to go. <laughs> right? Until you really got married, then real love came out, Right? But that's not the real love we're talking about here. The real love is Jesus. Jesus never changed his love for us. He loved us before we even surrendered our lives to him. He loved us while we were his enemies. I mean, he died for us while we were his enemies. That's what real love is giving up something very meaningful to the other person. And for Jesus, it's his life. He gave up his royalty for us. So we believers, we know that, right? We know what real love is. And then it says here, if someone has enough money. This is the New Living Translation. I like it because it said money. It's very clear. <laughs> so at least we're not going to argue what well, it's in the Bible, New Living Translation, money. What does money have to do with God and our relationship with God? Money has to do, it's a little idol for many of us. Do we agree? You know what? You serve money five days a week. For some of us, six or seven days a week. We serve money sometimes more than we serve God. Work is fine. Work is a God-given thing for us to do. But sometimes our hearts and our lives are poured out for money more often than we pour it for God. Now this is talking to someone who has enough money, more than enough, or enough money to live well, and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion. So how can a person that calls himself a believer of Christ will have no compassion to somebody who is suffering, Or struggling financially, because it hits the money there. Let's talk about money. Okay, before you start thinking about the person you turned down to give money to, there has to be wisdom here, okay? You have to have discernment. You can't just use your money just so, because you, you saw this, oh, fine, now I have to give it to him. Even though you know they're doing something stupid with it. That's not the kind of help we're talking about here. The help that we're talking about here are the real things that are in need. Just like we're going to see later with Paul talking about the Christians in Jerusalem that were close to starvation. And he was trying to raise funds for them from the other churches. In our lives, in our relationship with God, our pockets are going to be hit from time to time. And that should be okay. Because first, we give to God. That's what we need to think about. The few times that somebody asked for our help, uh, with me and Anna, we were thinking, some, You know, sometimes we're like, we're like oh, whatever. are they, are they going to use this for what? What are they going to use this for? But then at the end of the day, when God truly convicts, convicts me, I don't worry about it anymore. When God tells me, just lend it, and I just do it. Because then you just don't worry about it. You give it to God. You know, there's so many things that you will see on TV, right? Or in the internet. Christian organizations trying to raise money for certain things. And I don't know about you, but I'm quick to change the channel most of the time. <laughs> Oop, okay, next. You know, that was before I had, uh, when I had cable. (laughs) So now I don't, so I don't have commercials. But then when you see those things, you're quick to just brush it off. But then we have to know that as believers, we have to have compassion. And with compassion, we share, right? We share the suffering with them. And sometimes it's sharing through our resources. It says here, dear children, let's not merely say That we love each other but let us show the truth by our actions let's show our love when we say it love the word is a verb right so it's an action word so you have to do something about you need to prove it for us who have children we prove to our children That we love them, other than spending a lot of our time with them, we spend a lot of our money on them, don't we? And we don't mind it. It's our pleasure. When they're struggling, we share their struggles. Whether they know it or not, whether they like it or not, when they're struggling, when they're suffering, we're suffering with them. So it's the same with our brothers and our sisters here. So I I wanted this to be the beginning of the message tonight. Because the heart of the message is truly about love. Love to God. Our love to God and our love for our brothers and our sisters. Our compassion for them. That sometimes it will hit our pockets. It has to be the big reason why we're going to do what we do, and it should be the reason why we would say it's my pleasure. Next point, the heart of the problem. Here we see Matthew 6:21, it reads, "Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. In Matthew 19:21, Jesus answered, "If you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven." Then come, follow me, addressing the rich young ruler. And this first one here, we see here that wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Wherever you put so much of your money in, don't you give more importance to that? If you bought that very expensive purse for the women here, do you just... Nonchalantly drop it on the floor, knowing that it's very dirty. You're like, oh, where's a, is there another seat here? Is that empty? I'll put my purse there. I put a seat belt there when you're driving because you don't want it to, because it's a $900, a $1,200 purse, right? And your watches for the men. If you had a watch uh, uh, craziness like I did before, don't you always just wrap it, put it back in the box after using it, and you wipe it all the time and put it back because it's so expensive. You, the, where you put so much money and you fall in love with it, and your heart is there. You take good care of it. And this is what it's saying. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. So look into your check account, checking account right now. Not right now, <laughs> or later. Or think about it. Where is your money going to? Where is your money going most to? If it's food, then your heart is on food. Right? If it's in traveling, then your heart is in traveling. If it's in your car, it's in your car. I mean, if we're going to take this literally, right? So the problem is the heart problem. It's the heart. Where is our force? Where is our driving force? Where are we in love? Who are we in love with? What are we in love with? And that's where we spend most of our money to go. It's either our children, our family, our careers. Wherever you put your investment in, that's where you're just consumed with it. And here, as we see, when the rich young ruler wanted to, he asked God to earn, how can he earn eternal life? He asked Jesus this. And Jesus, knowing that he, his heart is truly entangled with his possessions jesus answered him this and the in verse 22 here is he walks away sad because he had many possessions turn to your bibles to matthew chapter 19 and go to verse 22 It reads, but when he heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possession. Jesus exposed his heart because it, is more, it was more entangled with his riches. And this was truly what was holding him back from it, earning eternal life. Well, we can't earn eternal life. He couldn't see who Jesus was. There was no way because he loved his riches more I don't know what his real question was maybe he was maybe his question was can I live forever because I'm too rich to die Lord maybe that's what his question maybe that was his real question think about it I have too much behind me that I don't want to die how can I have eternal life that probably was his question that's why when Jesus said, go and sell everything and follow me. For some of us, for some of us, it's so hard when this question hits us. Do we follow, do we serve God or we serve money? I don't know about you, but that question comes to me every day. Because I'm, I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm still working, I'm still doing my real estate. And every now and then, my real estate business will get in the way of the church business. Or the church business gets in the way of my real estate business. I don't know which one anymore. But then I get to ask myself, should I just quit my real estate? Should I just go? But then the, qu- the answer is like, no, you can't. You can't afford it. But, <laughs> but then sometimes, I'm just being really honest here. Sometimes you have to do both. But then the work or making money cannot be more important than serving God. But then how can you bring the balance there? How can you bring the balance there if there's only seven days in a week? And then you only work eight hours in the day? Because you sleep some of you sleep eight hours or ten hours of the day, right? No. Four. Four hours of the day sleeping. How do you get the balance there? You know, it all boils down to your heart. It all boils down to your heart. If your heart just reeks out and speaks out money, I want money more than serving God. And that's what what you're doing. That's what your life's going to go. That's how your week's going to go. That's how your day's going to go. If your heart is more in love with money, possessions, and everything else that this world has to offer, rather than serving God, in your heart, if that's in your heart, and that's how your life is going to manifest, it's going to show in your life. Because if it's the other way, then it will show. So as we talked about, the first is the ifs. The buts, the if, what, and why, and how. It has to be our, we have to be in love with God. It has to be real love that we know of Jesus, that he has given us. That we have to be compassionate and to be willing to be of help monetarily. And it has to be our hearts. Our hearts need to be connected with God. It has to be for God. The next verses, as we read through it, we have to understand that the heart of the matter is giving to God who has given us all things. And that our love for Him translates to loving others as well. And sometimes it goes monetarily. 2 Corinthians eight one two. grace Grace-giving is our first point. Grace-giving. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches, the Gentile churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Even despite the challenges that these other churches had, in the midst of that, they were more than willing to help monetarily to the church in Jerusalem to the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem they did care of their own situation as you will find out uh, later on you will see that they gave more Paul actually didn't expect them to help because Paul knew their situation but they were very eager to help as we'll see here for I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford But far more. Far more. And they did it of their own free will. Nobody nobody forced them to do it. That's the kind of giving that I would like for my children. When my my children do something for me without me even asking, those are the things that just makes my day. You know? Not because I force them to do it, or force them to give me something, or force them to thank me, it's it's when they do it on their own free will and God is also honored if it's the same way if we give willingly to whatever cause he has called us to give to and look at this far more they were struggling themselves the Macedonian churches were struggling themselves but they were more than eager and they did it of their own free will they begged us again and again They beg them again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. These Christians are crazy Christians. To beg to help while you are financially struggling? I have yet to see somebody do that here. (laughs) Right? No, you don't need to be really struggling to give to God and be honored. But look, just think about their situation. They were, not, they were not giving out of their surplus. They were giving from their struggle. But they begged Paul and his team that they would be part of this thing. Paul never engineered a million-piece charity appeal. The, or used the empire's postal service. And the cost of papyrus, or papyrus made such an idea unthinkable. But 2 Corinthians does present a direct appeal for funds in chapters 8 and 9. Jewish Christians of Jerusalem were reportedly on the edge of starvation. Paul sees on the crisis as a perfect chance for the Gentile Christians to reach out in compassion and demonstrate their spiritual spiritual unity with Jewish Christians. In these two chapters, Paul outlines a philosophy of Christian giving. Holding up Jesus Christ as a model, he explains the goal of such giving and the proper attitude of the givers. He even applies a little pressure by citing examples of Christians less well healed than the Corinthians, like the Macedonian Christians here. We're going to see in the New Testament, I know I tackled this the last time, but I think I didn't do a good job. That's why God is giving me this time again. I know the last time I was here and we talked about giving is I said that tithing is no longer a Christian practice, and everybody stopped listening after that. <laughs> no, not everybody. Some stopped listening after that. When I say tithing, the percentage part, the mandatory part, we will see tonight. I'll try to explain again that it's not. It's no longer the tithing. It's not even that. What we shouldn't even call it that. It's offering. Is grace giving in the New Testament it's called grace giving you want to give by grace and you are, I'm, we have I'm gonna show you the difference of both of them so hopefully it'll make more sense tonight sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem they even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord if you give to the Lord first and foremost, you could care less what happens to it. Correct? That should be a yes. Because if you give it to God, then you gave it to Him, and whatever the other people do with it, it's their fault. It's not your, wor- it's not your problem anymore. So long as you gave it to God. You know, it's hard when, in, in the Philippines when there was this big flood. Um, it, it, it was named Undoy. I don't know why it couldn't be Charlie, but it was Undoy. It was the undoi part, and there was uh, news. The news broke that the donations that were coming from uh, other countries were being taken by other people in authority. Unfortunately, they were they were stealing it. So then I had a conversation with my brother-in-law. I said, "See, that's why I don't want to give." This is years ago, right? (laughs) See, that's why I don't want to give. They'll just steal it. It's not going to go to people that I want to help. And then he told me, he goes. Well, that's not your problem. If you give to God first for that purpose, whatever happens to it, you've done your part. And isn't that the truth? They, if you give yourself to the Lord first, because the Macedonian Christians, the other believers, the Gentile believers, they were so grateful. They understood completely what they have through Jesus Christ. They embraced it with joy. They could care less if they're struggling. They knew what they had. After this life and during this life, the worst thing that could happen to them was death. And after that, they'll go to heaven. They completely understood it. And then they knew that everything they have is God's. Right? Everything that they have is God's. So why not give it to their brothers and sisters Which because they have compassion So they want to give. They beg Paul and his team, let us be part of it. A lot of believers now don't like that. A lot of believers are not like that. We want to make sure we're giving to the right place, to a point that we're making sure that we're not going to give anymore because we checked all the boxes and it's it's not satisfying me. It's not meeting all my criteria's. I don't think this is going to happen. Again, the discernment, it's on you. I pray that you have discernment. You ask for wisdom. If that's a work that God wants you to be a part of or not, you ask God and you do what God tells you. But what we're talking here is about you wanting to give to the Lord first monetarily and that you are okay with it. That is grace giving. And that reminds me of this. Story that Jesus told us about the widow and her two mites. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So simple. It's so simple. Right? So now some, some people are probably thinking, well, she, I, 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 can only give, I, I can only give two cents, too. Fine, if that's all you can give... T- give the two cents because it's not it's not the amount right but what you're missing is that part put in everything she had to live on she gave everything she had to live on and Jesus honored it people see that they heard it because they there it, it, it makes a noise when you put those coins in it makes a noise you know and if it's copper it makes a different noise <laughs> right if you put in coins in the, in, the, in the basket, it makes a noise, correct? Like, oh, she gave coins. <laughs> Hopefully nobody's thinking that here. But it makes a noise, and people knew. Maybe she felt embarrassed putting it in too, because only merely two mites. Close to worth, it's worth nothing. Close to worth, worth not, not anything. But Jesus honored it. Jesus, up to now, we're talking about what she did. She gave her all. The New Testament giving is proportioned to how much you are blessed. It's no longer the Old Testament giving, which is a tenth, a tithe. That's where we get the word tithe, 10%. It's no longer that. It's proportioned to however you were blessed. But at the same time, nobody's telling you. Nobody, we're not forcing you. It has to be from your free will. It has to be out of your love to God. If before it was a responsibility for Christians, right now it should be a response from your love relationship with the Lord. It should be out of your response of your love relationship with the Lord. This is the same thing with your obedience. It should be a response of your love relationship with the Lord. If you are not obeying God, his commands because you have a love relationship problem with him this comes it reminds me now talking about giving it reminds me of the unyoking or yoking with unbelievers unbelievers right why why am i talking about that because if you are married to an unbeliever and now you're talking about giving guess what your unbelieving husband or wife will be talking about you guys will be arguing not talking i know of believers who don't who are not married to believers and this is one of their issues see everything is connected everything's connected once you disobey god here you will if you think you got away with it you're going to have a problem later on and we've found out sadly that if you do yoke with an unbeliever, you, most of the time, will fall away. The pull of the unbeliever, unfortunately, is stronger than the pull of the believers. That's the sad truth. Because you already disobeyed in the beginning. It's hard. It's going to be difficult. Okay, going back. So giving... The grace-giving part in the New Testament, and even in the Old Testament, as you give to God, it's part of your growth. It's part of your maturity in our walk. So if you haven't, if you haven't grown in this part, there's more growing for you to do. I pray that you, after tonight, you will be praying, you'll be reading those verses, and you will ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, what's true? Is this true? Where, if, if you are struggling in this giving, ask yourself, am I more in love with my money than with my God? And if your answer is, no, I love God, but I just don't think I'm going to be financially stable if I give this certain amount and it's just my finances will just going to be lops- lopsided, then you just don't trust God then. You're not trusting God. So do you trust God or do you trust your money more? For some of us, we have peace if we have money in the bank, right? We're like the happiest people in the world. Like, how are you? Great. I had like 10 closings this month. I'm doing great. And then next month, how are you? Not so good. It had nothing to do with, with my health or my, my relationship with my, with my family. It All had to do with how much is in the bank or it's not in the bank. I take more peace with that. I took more peace with that. It shouldn't be the case. And now we see is as part of maturity, and as Christians, we're called little Christ. So here Paul cites that we need to follow Christ. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways in your faith, you gifted speakers, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm and your love for us. I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. Part of your maturity is just not knowing the Bible. I doubt it. If you truly know the Bible and you're not going to give, I doubt it. If you truly understood what you read. But here he he cites them, saying, "All right, so you guys are, are you guys are are faithful. You guys are are knowing. You guys know your Bible. You have great speakers there, but you guys need to." also excel in giving, as Paul addresses the Corinthians. You also see here that they started something. At first, they heard about the need, the Corinthian church, and they were all excited. They started giving, but they stopped. Believers, we should be good in finishing what we start. We should be true to our promises. Whatever promise you made to God and to your brothers and sisters, you need to be true to it. Don't let it just be a momentary promise because you saw a touching video and you cried. You're like, oh my gosh, I will give $100 a month. And that was only good for a month. Right? We have to be true to our word. We need to finish what we start, especially in the ministry that God has called us to be a part of. We need to be true to our word we need to excel in giving in order for us to grow in our faith it is part of our maturity the more you let go the more you grow next slide I am not I am not commanding you to do this but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches Paul Shows an example, tells them of an example with the Macedonian churches, right? So he's just basically telling them, if they can do it, why can't you? The Corinthian church was so rich. They were flourishing. They were probably the mega church of our time now. (coughs) Had money. So why couldn't you do it? If the other poor churches were giving, how how come you guys aren't doing it? You know, the... You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. There. He gives the example of Jesus. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. Our Jesus, our Lord that died for our sins, gave everything, gave up everything to be a human being. We was born in a manger with animals. So the smell, stinky place, right? Uncomfortable. But he did it. He did it for us. He gave his life for us. He shed his blood for us. So the least we could do when he calls our need, our help, the least we could do is is give back. But it's not out of I'm not trying to put guilt on you I'm trying to make us realize that we should be responding out of our love and gratitude for what he has done for us do we agree whatever it may be whatever it may be it could be just obedience to your parents for for the young people here honoring your parents for all of us honoring your parents just that we should be responding in love for God For everything that he has done for us that we should be good to honor our parents whether we like it or not we should be obeying his commands we should be sharing our faith we should be walking we should be a good walking testimony for God I know we focus so much on the giving part but it's also about obedience it's also about obedience Everything that we've been talking about for the past few weeks, it's all about obedience. Everything that God has revealed to us, everything that we struggle with, it's all about obedience. We can argue, but at the end of the day, we're disobeying God. Here is my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give. And you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Paul, just talking to them. This is pretty simple. Right? It's pretty simple. If, if you started something, you should finish it. If you made a promise, you should do it. You know, when we help people, it becomes uncomfortable. Amen? Okay, never mind. It's just me. (laughs) When I help people, it becomes uncomfortable. It it, it bothers my schedule. It bothers my day. It hits my pocket every now and then. When I'm helping people, that's what happens. So sometimes we stop helping people. That's how we solve it, right? (laughs) Oh, it's him again. I'm not going to pick up his call. I know what this is about. (laughs) Hopefully not, right? Hopefully not. If you failed in that that particular thing before, hopefully tonight, as you, the Holy Spirit will encourage us. As he reveals our faults and our mistakes, hopefully it will be a good wound. You know that wound for a doctor when he makes that wound in your chest when he's going to operate and work on your heart? They're going to wound your flesh, right? going to open you up with that wound you're going to bleed but it's for your own good because you're going to change those things and make you healthy so hopefully that's that's how the words tonight are hitting you I know that for some of us with the the thing will just kill us because the word of God either heals or kills so hopefully believers tonight As we see this, as we are reminded of the promises that we did not come with or come through with. There is that need in our church right now. Our sister Liz Bailey and sister Jeannie has organized this uh, meal train. Pretty clever. I like it. Hopefully, for those of you who at first heard about it and your heart jumped and you're like, I want to help. Hopefully you could follow through with that help. An idea is just a great idea until somebody really does it, correct? It's the in between that's uh, so hard to do. Do you realize that? You have this great idea, your boss says, That's great, you should do it. Because if you do that, we will have this amount of money for your business. But what gets boring and tedious is the in between that the in between that idea and the finish. That's the hard part. That's your promise. Right here. That's where we fail in the in between. A lot of people they have great ideas for businesses, but that's about it. it. It begins and dies there because they they got patted on the back. They put it on, Facebook, have this great idea, and he got twenty five hundred likes. And he's like, oh great, but I really don't want to do it. It's so hard. Why would why spend money? Plus, it might not work. Right. Some people, they just like that, or they just like the result. Oh, that's a great idea. I would love to have that money, but I don't want to do the work. See, making promises, sometimes people make promises because they want to get that high. There's that high. There's that good feeling with making that promises, and the person that you made a promise to hugged you and cried and thanked you. Oh, my gosh, you're a lifesaver. Thank you very much it you sit that's it you're done you got what you wanted right no more and parents if you have promises that you've broken to your children and you're being reminded about about it tonight I'm hoping that you will do it and for all of us not just the children not just the parents us believers we need to be true to our word and we need to follow through we need to be good in that in-between That great idea or that promise we need to be true give as you are blessed give in proportion to what you have there's a difference in the Old Testament giving you're told to give 10% now you're said give in proportion to what you have so if you were celebrating when I said tithing is done it's no longer applied and you're like yes you're like, oh boy, you did not understand it because it's actually harder now. <laughs> it's harder now. You have to give in proportion to what you were blessed with. Whatever you give is acceptable. Whatever you give is acceptable. If you give it eagerly, not grudgingly. If you were excited to give that $20, fine, give that $20. If you're excited to give that dollar give that dollar god will honor it there's a story about the dollar the dollar bill the $20 bill and the $100 bill they were talking they were in a bank we we're in Wells Fargo and they were like so hey dollar goes hey guys where you been the $100 bill goes hey man i've been in vegas went at MGM did you see the mirage oh before that i was at, in paris and the twenty-dollar goes. Oh, yeah, and, you know, I, I was I was at the Staples Center. Kobe actually spent me. And then and then the bills go. How about you? Where you been? Oh, I've been at the you know First Baptist Church. <laughs> <laughs> I've been at FICF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you <know>, I've been. <laughs> and then the two bills go. Church? What's that? <laughs> That's a joke, okay? It's a joke. <laughs> Church, what is that? (laughs) You have to give. Give it. It is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make your life easy for others and hard for yourselves. I only mean that there should be some equality. Paul saying you should have common sense. You should have discernment. You should have wisdom yeah don't try to help other people and then hurt yourself should be wise that's why we need wisdom that's why we need prayer that's why we need discernment our church the Christian church needs discernment we can't just fall into all these things you see something on TV and you say oh yeah that's a great thing I should help and then it's a scam on your internet or your I don't know how to do it now but you should be wise, but at the same time, give in proportion to what you have. It's different now. We're gonna see the difference. Here we go. <clears throat> in the Old Testament, giving God's people were told to give specifically. They were. Now we call it the New Testament. I, I I'm borrowing David Jeremiah's grace giving says here the principle goes beyond that to giving sacrificially everything giving was by law now it should be given out of love giving has obligation at its center in the Old Testament it was your you were obligated to give but now it says giving has others at its center people becomes your priority giving was by percentage now it's by proportion giving was a responsibility now giving is a response out of the love that we have received from God out of the love that we have for others because of the love that God continues to give us we respond to that and we give we obey. We give. Hopefully, it's clear. <laughs> hopefully, I won't have a meeting with John Augustine again, and he'll say, "Hey, what did you say?" <laughs> John is our financial uh, <laughs> leader here, and he's a. Uh... We had a meeting the last time, so hopefully, this is clear. <laughs> Focus on the love part. If you love God, right, it should be your pleasure. It's my pleasure, Lord. My goodness. This should be our response. Share your blessings to other believers. Right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it in this way things will be equal as the scriptures say those who gathered a lot nothing left had nothing left over and those who had gathered only a little had enough remember the the mana they were told okay just get what you need just get what you need don't get too much but some people were stubborn they kept hoarding it but then little to the, little to their knowledge that they just had enough so they just end up working more only for them to just have enough. And the ones that, because they were told not to give too mu- get too much and, and they still did it and there was, it was a maggot. It was spoiled, right? They lost it. It got ruined. So it's the same thing here now. If we are generous, if we are not tight-fisted, for God's work, God will also not be tight-fisted towards us. Because this is just life too. I've seen this happen to my, to, in my life and other people's life. That sometimes you're on top and they're in the bottom. But it just doesn't stay that way for many of us. Sometimes it'll just roll and then now you're in the bottom. They're on top. So you would want... This is, this is how we should help. This is... My wife's rule, when she gives gifts to people, she wants to give what she wants to receive. I find that very strange. <laughs> that means there's a lot of money in my thinking. But that's what she wants. She wants to give what she wants to receive. So it's the same thing with God for us. God wants to continue to bless us. But God wants us to be a blessing to others too he does it do you agree that God wants us to be a blessing to other people too that God wants to use you as a as a vessel of blessing to other people so the more he blesses you the more you become a blessing to others to his people so it just continues that's what the church of God is A blessing all around. Now don't complain if you're the one who's not getting blessed. Oh Lord, this is why. This is my problem. I should be the financially blessed guy at church. Then I'll bless everybody. The reason why you're not being the financially blessed is there's an issue there. God probably sees your heart and the money is more important to you. His blessings are more important to you than Him. And having a relationship with Him. That's probably why you're not getting blessed, or that you're irresponsible. I don't know, one of the two. right? There has to be a willingness to be of help as much as there is compassion for us. And lastly, in First Timothy 6:17 and 19, please turn your Bibles there, so if you have your own Bible, you can mark this. It says here. First Timothy 6 So you command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. God wants us to enjoy it. All the blessings that He wants, that He has for us, He has given us, He wants us to enjoy it. But let us not put our hope and our faith and our wealth in our money, which most of us have a tendency to do so. Yes, our hope has to be in God. In God we trust. I put this here because it should be really that we should be trusting in God, not in our money. Because this, is, this saying is in our money, correct? But this should be the most important thing for us. God, not our money. So why do I say that? Because if you don't trust God, you won't believe most of the things he said here, especially if it's about something that you don't want to do. But if you trust God, you trust His Word, then you obey what He tells you, even with your money. At the men's breakfast yesterday, we discussed this, and the, the, the funny thing is many people will allow God to be a part of their family or to bless their family, to take control of their family. And they will allow God to just take control of their work or their career. But they won't allow God when it comes to money when it comes to finances oh no we're not talking about that I'm not resting in God with that one we should be trusting God do not put our hope in our wealth which is uncertain but to put their hope in God command them to do good to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. You are blessed to be a blessing. We are told to do good deeds, we are told to be generous, we are told to share whatever wealth God has blessed us with. It should be our pleasure. It should be our pleasure to serve Him. Since you're in First Timothy 6, look at verse 9 and 10. And I'm going to close with this. I promise. I know there's a fine line between a hostage taking and a long message. <laughs> All right, I'm going to read. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 10 reads, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. For the love of money is the cost of that. So if you love God more, our response should be giving back to God and to others. That we become a blessing to other people as God allows us to be. And we should be okay to say, it is my pleasure, Lord. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message tonight. Father, I pray that, uh, again, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will be the one to give clarity to your people here tonight. I pray, Father, that as you move us from that conviction, you move us from that conviction to obedience, Lord God. And as we obey, Lord God, we become a blessing to ourselves and to other people, Lord. And more importantly, we are pleasing to you and into your eyes. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we've failed. Forgive us Lord for the times that we depended depended on our wealth more than we trusted in you. Forgive us Lord for the times that we denied your call for us to help because we didn't trust you. Guide us Father to be to become more like your son. To become more like our Lord. Father this world is dying. Lord, we we need to be obedient, Father. And I pray that we will become obedient so that we can be a blessing to many people. Guide us, Father, and give us the wisdom that we need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. That's the end of today's message. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and want to support our mission of reaching others, Help grow our ministry by visiting ficfreno.com slash give. To get the latest updates from our channel, hit the subscribe button. Visit our Facebook page by clicking the link below to let us know how God is moving in your life.